Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. I'm Will Patch, Enrollment Marketing Leader at Niche. Today, speaking with Katie Spencer-Johnson, who's a certified social media strategist and is currently the social media track chair for the EduWeb Digital Summit. Welcome, Katie. Hey, thanks for having me. I always start out with two things that I want to talk to everyone about. First up, what's something you tried that didn't work? And what did you learn from that? Yeah, so this is a great question. Certainly, as a social media strategist, there's plenty of campaigns and strategies that fail. I think every step, every process provides a valuable lesson and a data point for future strategy. Working in higher education, I love that some organizations are really down for taking some risks. I think we at Quincy College pursued Snapchat. We kind of were chasing the new shiny pretty, but we then, as we built a strategy and launched the campaign, we realized that audience expectations for communication just weren't there. So even though we knew it would be great to have Snapchat, we realized that our audience just didn't want to communicate with us on that channel. Just because it's important to be innovative doesn't mean that our audience expects us there. When was that that you tried it? Was it just too early, perhaps? I don't think it was too early. I think we kind of were a slower adopter of new channels. We wanted to allow them to exist for a while. So we started that in probably 2018. And then we just we just realized we didn't have the bandwidth to create really innovative content, which is, of course, a problem as well. And that, you know, our audience just didn't want to have conversations with us. So we're like, okay, that's cool. Like, we'll just shift to, um, you know, Instagram stories and leverage our existing audience there. That's a smart move to realize it's not working, get rid of it, rather than try to keep limping along. Exactly, exactly. I think there's a lot of comparison paralysis for, for some institutions. So being able to say, you know what, this is just not working. And I think having a foundation and strategy helps you see when something is potentially failing for yourself. What practices do you use to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? I love brainstorming and bringing new ideas to the table. I think it's really important as marketers to keep a pulse on creative content, being mindful that we are all consumers of content. So don't just pigeonhole yourself into looking at what your competitive institutions are doing, but look at really what institutions in consumer goods are doing, attend different conferences and webinars, chat with other creatives. I think it's critically important to remember and ask other people how they did something. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot for us to read across the table and say, hey, how did you do that? You know, that looks really interesting and make it your own. The one caveat that I always say is don't assume what you think is creative will fly with your audience. Again, you want to ask and listen to your audience, both using social media tools and then, of course, analyze what is successful and what is not successful, both historically and what has resonated with your audience. You know, you want to be able to deliver content that is both creative and innovative, but also that still serves, you know, who you want to reach. Continually reaching across departments is really helpful for brainstorming. Everyone has ideas. Make sure that you create space to listen to those. And who all is involved in those conversations? One case in point, we actually were working on an Office of Student Life Campus Happenings videos. And these were videos that were uh, disseminated across channels, both the main college channel as well as the Office of Student Life accounts. And we started working with the director of Student Life, and she was wonderful. She did a fantastic job in kind of telling students what was happening on campus. But we weren't really seeing the results we wanted. So we sat down and said, OK, who's the voice of this? Who do we really want to connect with? And 
in the end, we actually ended up working with work studies, our students, and they became the voice of this campus happenings campaign. And it did remarkably well, because if you think about, again, who's your audience, who's your voice, bringing them to the table can only really help you understand the unique perspective of the student population, your faculty, even a department that does not have social media presence can still be creative and can still be innovative. Yeah, you need the input. Not many of us who, who did social media and were mm-hmm. also the right audience at the same time. Absolutely. Something I never tried. Did you ever bring in parents? So we were a two-year community college. So our audience was actually ran the gamut of straight out of high school all the way to even individuals into their 70s and 80s. Our student population generally was not making decisions based on their parents. Um, So it was a lot of peer-based decisions. So what we did is we tapped into a lot of diverse populations, non-traditional students, and telling their stories. So they themselves were parents. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess I was still thinking that there would be a, a large enough population of kids coming straight out of high school mm-hmm. and parents would be involved. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that a lot of institutions don't use and really should. Mm-hmm. What does a social media strategist do and, and how is that a different role? Yeah, so my role primarily when I first started was literally posting content to social. And then I realized as I evolved in that role that I needed a foundation in data and I needed a foundation of institutional social media engagement. So I began to build formal processes, governance, um, to kind of support a social first approach at at the institution. I was directly responsible for not only the day-to-day posting to all of the channels that the college owned across social, I was also responsible for helping the other departments that had accounts like the Office of Student Life or the Dean of Biotechnology who had a Facebook page. I was responsible for guiding their strategy, but also training them on social media best practices, creating a group of individuals who were passionate about social media, who were passionate about their department and who could actually become a advocate for marketing, an advocate for the college, but within their departments as a whole. So on the back end, make sure that we were actually meeting organizational goals and departmental goals, setting those goals for one, and then making sure that the data with, that we were looking at was actually supporting our efforts, You know that our social media work was driving institutional goals. That's something that a lot of institutions should have, a strategist, because you weren't just doing the daily work, you were building other people's capacity to do their work better. Yeah, absolutely. I very much was of the mindset that the more advocates you can have on campus, the easier your job is as marketing. So being able to really build an internal network of social media advocates for the college is only going to be really helpful for every single department, every single goal. Everybody's driving the messaging. Everybody's kind of moving the ship in the right direction. You know, social media is a lot more than just posting photos and the witty responses. So what are some of these things that set apart just having social media accounts from actually being truly social as an institution? So I'm so happy you've asked this question. I think so many people have the perception that social media is just posting photos or witty responses or coming up with that virality of content. And I think... Whatever viral means. Oh, yeah. We we could have a whole entire podcast on that. Um, (laughs) And it probably wouldn't go very well. You know, I think social media, there has to be a foundation, right? We just spent a lot of time talking about strategy. 
And I think getting at what truly social means for an institution is having a base foundation that you can build off of. So like I said, having an institutional culture of social media engagement, whether that's governance and guidelines or encouragement from your leadership about being social or even your leadership actually engaging on social media and owning you know, their own account. I think there needs to be a foundation of training and digital literacy for staff. When I worked at Quincy College, I had social media lunch and learns, and the intention was to educate our community on basic social media best practices. And it was not related to necessarily their work at Quincy College, nor was it a marketing tool, but it was a chance for us to kind of say, okay, as an institution, we want to move social media forward. We want to make sure that our faculty are educated. And we want to make sure that our students feel comfortable having conversations on social media. So that digital literacy was hugely important. That foundation allows you to think about engagement first, not chasing those vanity metrics or virality or the new shiny pretty of a new platform, but really thinking about being visible, valuable and available for your community on social and then, of course, off social. I've talked in the past about being social on social media and making sure it's a dialogue, not a monologue. But Katie puts this so much more clearly. You need to be visible, valuable, and available. You need to be able to be seen. You need to provide something that your audience wants. You need to be there to support them as well. So I think a lot of people think, well, social media is just this bubble. It's just this thing that happens. And it's like, no, your social media can inform everything that you do off social And then vice versa, everything that happens off social can inform what happens on social. Being truly social is an institutional approach that needs to have a foundation and some focus before you can just really go from transitioning of having a presence to really being an engaged institution that is thinking innovatively about social media. I like that. Visible, valuable, and available. I feel like a lot of times it's hey, we need to have this account because students are there. The value piece gets left out a lot. Absolutely. It's one of the first questions I ask someone who comes to me and says, I want a social media account. And and I try not to say no right off the bat, but I, I always say, why? What is your goal? If you don't understand your goals as a department, as an individual, as an organization, your social media is not going to be successful. So being able to identify those goals, setting them for yourself, setting some data benchmarks, and then understanding the different social media platforms that can help you reach those goals can only really benefit you. You need to have those goals, yes, but there also has to be that plan of how often are we going to be able to post? Mm -hmm. Can we keep coming up with new content? Absolutely. I set a lot of expectations when I was working with different departments, different faculty, And I would say, can you agree to post X amount of time? Can you create a content calendar for me? This is not a set it and forget it platform. You need to be able to plan. And I would always say like, I don't leave you in the dark as a social media strategist. I will give you the tools and then we will continually have a conversation about what is being successful, what is not successful. 
And then how do we adjust and adapt based on your workload, your, your expectations, the performance of content? You know, there's all these qualitative and quantitative things you can think of that are going to have to happen in order for an organization or a social media account to be successful. How do you train them to see the value? How do you train them to evaluate so that it doesn't all fall on you? That is a lovely question. I wish I had the answer to that. I think a lot <laughs> of it, a lot of it did fall to me as a social media strategist for the organization, I think when they saw the value of their account was when they realized the goals that they had set had been met. Every year I do biannual audits of the department's pages or even my own pages as the organization. And I would say, okay, here's our benchmarks for what we want to meet. And it was very data-driven benchmarks. Here's our engagement rate. Here's our click-through rate. Here's you know some really heavy social media metrics. And then we looked at the qualitative sides. Are we driving action in your office? So more students attending events, more students you know checking into the office to receive student services. So once we coupled that together and and they got excited about the performance of content, but also the overall performance of their page or their account. They really started to understand what success was, both as a social media account and then what it meant for them personally and professionally in their roles. You kind of have to remind your team and your administration the value of social media. A lot of that was data-driven results and then equating that to institutional goals. You know, one of the common problems I've seen is that social media is being run by one person. You know, it's part of their duties. So how do they prioritize and plan that works to really make it strategic? It's a huge challenge for them. I think there's really not enough support and the burnout risk is really high. If you look at Tony Dobby's mental health report for social media managers, reactive social media doesn't involve planning at all. And reactive marketing strategy doesn't involve planning. So if you find that your organization is trending more towards reactive, really try to encourage a shift to proactive social media strategy and structure. But to remember that social media strategy doesn't just live with the social media strategist or you know the the person who's responsible for social it should be at every level of your organization if you can't pinpoint a strategy that's a problem and you need to sit down with your teams and say okay what what are our goals and then how do we get there you're not going to be given the space if you don't one take it and two make sure that others understand why you need that space This was definitely a yes moment for me that she got to the heart of it. You have to make time to plan. No one's going to set aside the time and say, okay, now you need to go to plan. You have to force yourself and your team to step back, prioritize the strategy, and then you can really move forward. You always want to, you know, educate your teams and leadership. I think it's really the first step in prioritizing work. And then once that's done, you can actually then say, okay, I can be very deliberate with my campaign planning. You've talked about editorial calendars. There may be people listening who aren't familiar with what that is. Can you describe first what editorial calendar is, how best to use it, and then dive into campaign planning some? An editorial calendar or content calendar is simply the day-to-day plan that you will have. Some places utilize a week calendar, some do a month. 
And it's kind of a roadmap for what am I going to post? Sometimes it's very detailed. It will have your copy and then sometimes the creative that's going to go up either on Instagram or Facebook or any of the channels that you have. It's a way for you to say, okay, strategically, I'm going to say this on this day with this content and it's going to fit into the global picture of what I'm doing for the month, for the year, for the next six months. And it's I'm going to align it to my enrollment strategy or my organic strategy or my paid strategy. So a content calendar kind of keeps you organized. A lot of organizations sometimes don't even have the space to, to create a content calendar, especially as a team of one. So it's important to use your content calendar as a starting point. So for example, if we were driving for enrollment and we knew that we were going to have an ad come out, we would also then partner that with some organic content that would further enforce that ad value. You know, what, what are we trying to say? How are we trying to sell it? How are we trying to spin it? How can institution balance their promotional or more conversion focused posts and then really the community building? As I mentioned, you know, running a biotechnology ad that's driving enrollment can be coupled with organic social media that could highlight our biotechnology team as thought leaders. Think about what you're saying about your brand, both as organically and across ads. And that's when a content calendar really comes into play because you can see oh, this week I have four pieces of content going out, for example, and and two are promotional, one is faculty focused and another is student focused, that might be a good balance for you. You really want to remember that your brand is not what you say about you, but what others say about you. So there's that community sense, right? So just because you put out content doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to see that spike in enrollment or engagement. You're going to want to pay attention to the voices that you empower, the stories that you tell, and also building user-generated content to help balance those promotional posts. Katie is right on target again, and this is a callback actually to our first episode with Liz Gross. Your brand is what other people say about you. So you need to be able to know what is being said, what the actual experience is like, or else you're not going to have an authentic representation. If you look at Facebook on the back end, you can look at the posts that you've done and look at it as a visual reference. So you can very quickly see what does it look like? Are you making sure that you are representing your student population, both from an inclusive standpoint? Did the last month really focus on a lot of your science areas, but not your English or humanities? Utilizing those audit can really help you quickly see the content imbalances. And then you can also align that to your results. Do you have any quick resources that could help people really get up to speed on the data side? I'm now as a marketer really looking at Google Analytics. So making sure that you can evaluate your ROI. It actually used to be one of my fears that I would get stuck in an elevator with someone and they would be like, so what's your marketing ROI? And I'd like panic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I probably will have those nightmares for a while. But um, <laughs> like, so Google Analytics is really helpful. Um, making sure that you're always learning. As I said before, as a creative, you're always consuming content, right? But as a you know data manager, as a, as a person who's working in technology, you have a huge amount of data at your fingertips. So getting more deliberate with how you understand that data is really helpful. And I also think asking your institution, your marketing team, is it valuable for us to bring on a full-time or part-time consultant to help us do some data analysis? There are, of course, tons of softwares that can help you with social listening, can help with sentiment analysis. So you don't have to do it alone. 
I mean, using UTM code mm-hmm. and actually having goals set up in Google Analytics will. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hugely helpful to like explain yeah. like the success of what where what happens when someone is off social and on your website. Yep, you know, having that campaign. Oh, this got a hundred thousand impressions, and the video mm-hmm. got viewed this many times, and. Then you get that question, okay, how many applications did we get? How many visits did we get? <laughs> I know, I know. And you're like, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I did my part. That's admission. <laughs> uh, it is very tricky to balance that learning process. And I think we're all still learning, getting familiar with the native data tools. You know, Facebook has a very robust data backend. So does Instagram, Twitter, you know, all of these campaigns have data attributed to them. So even if you just have to work with that, it's, it's okay to just work from that. So how can someone really take hold and, and lead efforts on campus and organize things if there are multiple accounts that are being run by faculty, staff, students, you know, they're not all falling under your purview? Mm-hmm. Trust and train your faculty, staff, and students. Everyone hates like, ooh, centralized marketing is going to, you know, take over everything. But I think you can have a centralized foundation and then kind of a decentralized content approach. If you give your staff, students, faculty, the foundation of education, so social media lunch and learn, social media team meetings, skill building, onboarding, continual training, which is a lot of time, effort, and energy. But if you trust them to do their jobs, then you can actually kind of take a step back and then let them run their own marketing effectively. I started every single audit I've ever led with, how are you doing? Not how are you feeling about social media? How's the workload? You know, it was really like viscerally, emotionally, like, how is it going? Because I think if somebody becomes overwhelmed, social media falls to the wayside. So really starting with the human aspect and really asking what do you like and what do you dislike, being able to have those conversations, create and hold space for your faculty, staff and students to be successful. And then more importantly, allowing them to fail (laughs) because there are going to be moments where your social media content does not produce what you think it will. You know, you have poor engagement on a post, you know, community members who react to a post and you were definitely were not expecting that reaction. Rather than scrutinizing the faculty member, the staff, or the student, people make mistakes, being able to say like, okay, how do we adapt from this? Making sure that social media is a helpful tool. You never want it to be so far misaligned to what their goals are as a professional that it just doesn't succeed and it becomes a burden. I always used to say like, I'm not leaving you in the dark. Like we will have, we will continue to have the conversations. And if this isn't working, we turn it off. You're getting at really what good leadership is. You have to make sure the people are doing well. It's absolutely true. I think remembering the people behind the brand and remembering the people behind the social channel. We are all human. We are all processing this information and being able to say, how is this being visible, valuable, and available? Since you had such a wide range Mm -hmm. of types of students, how are you training and using them? So I instituted an onboarding process for every student who was interested in being a social media manager for us. So we very much talked about what makes a good social media post. I went in with some preconceived notions about like, oh, my students already know this. Like they're, they're great. They know they live and breathe social media. And then some of them were like, nope. (laughs) So like being able to be like, okay, like I actually need to like take this a, a step back and break down my knowledge. 
here's what effectively works on Facebook, here's what works on Instagram, and not make it utterly overwhelming. And then empowering them to take the lead. I think there was a lot of anxiety. So we actually talk through that a lot and saying, okay, would you like administrative review? Does that allow us to be the most flexible and adaptable if we're trying to get content out quickly? So we would set up processes, of course. We used Hootsuite a lot. So being able to use kind of a social media management tool and a scheduler to send content through the channel and get content approved quickly. I think user-generated content, we did a lot of onboarding in that sense in terms of just mapping out what, for example, an Instagram story would look like from the perspective of a student working in our International Student Services office. So we would literally sit down with a bunch of squares on a piece of paper and say, like, what's the story you want to tell? And we would map that out and we would say, okay, like, are you feeling comfortable with that? They would say yes. And then we'd sign off as administrators, as marketing and as the student and um, say, okay, you're going to go live on this date at this time. When that happens, I would literally give them my cell phone number and say, call me if something happens. And I, of course, was monitoring on the back end. But nine times out of 10, having that like preamble planning meeting was really helpful for the user generated content. But I think there's always going to be that moment where the student creates content that you just want to share, which is amazing. And I love that aspect of having an engaged community. Katie, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Uh, This is just a treasure trove of information for people. Could you tell me more about the EduWeb conference and about the social media track? Yeah, so uh, the EDU Web Digital Summit is actually now virtual starting August 3rd through the 5th. It is a fantastic marketing conference um, intended for higher education professionals across several different areas. So that includes web and analytics, traditional content marketing, social media. We even have a track for other duties as assigned. So I actually started with the EDU Web Digital Summit as, a, as an attendee and as a presenter. I was lucky to present on a couple of different topic areas the past couple of years. And then this is my first year as the social media track chair. And I am super excited to highlight some amazing social media professionals, marketing professionals in the higher ed space, talking about TikTok, you know, actually te- speaking towards teams of one. It's going to be an amazing panel talking about how do you manage social media as a team of one, really looking at how do you support your faculty initiatives utilizing social media. So kind of all of the topics we actually touched on today. To be honest, higher education is such an amazing community. It's super supportive. Really looking forward to connecting with everyone on on August 3rd and 5th. If someone listens to this afterward, is there an online recording they can purchase? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there will be. uh, Certainly the sessions will be available. So it's eduwebconfconf.com. Thank you. And if people want to follow up with any questions or, or connect with you, how can they do that? They can actually connect with me on Twitter. So uh, my handle is at Katie, K-A-T-Y, B underscore Spencer, S-P-E-N-C-E-R. Would be happy to talk with anyone. I am definitely one of those people who loves to chat social media and even just challenges that people are having. I'm happy to kind of brainstorm with folks too. So, Well, thank you for taking the time and looking forward to the conference. Yeah, thank you, Will. I really appreciate your time and I look forward to seeing everyone hopefully at the conference as well. 